Now, over the past few weeks, a couple of weeks especially, as we've finally been getting into the life of Abraham, but I know that throughout Genesis, there's a lot of big, big picture ideas, big themes throughout the Scripture that we've been tying it in. And I'm sure that there's been... There, there's probably been a couple of sermons where um, with all of the connections being made and, and everything else, perhaps there's been a sentiment that, you know, if we can just slow down a little bit or if we can not take a break, but if we can just pump the brakes. And I told y'all at, at one point, and I do plan on doing this, and today is one of those sermons, um, doing what I call respite Sundays, where instead of pushing forward so quickly and trying to make all the connections and everything else, we're We do have a Sunday where we kind of take a step back and we'll either still be in Genesis or we'll be somewhere else and just focus on one thing and just looking at some some simple facts. Well, this passage in Genesis kind of lends itself toward that. So we're not going to be all over the place, as it were, today making different connections. We're really just going to be looking at this text. Uh, I mentioned last week that although many times throughout Abraham and Sarah's lives, they lacked faith, they tried to take things into their own hands, um, they were not perfect followers of God. And we mentioned that that's a good thing because neither are any of us. Uh, And if you think that you are perfect, that just proves right there that you're imperfect. (laughs) Because you're wrong on that mark, right? Right? Nevertheless, God is always faithful. God was always faithful in the life of Abraham and Sarah. God is always faithful in our lives. God is faithful in the lives of our family members um, and our church family. No matter what happens in this life, you can rest assured God is always faithful faithful even when we lack faith and even when we try to come up with our own plans or we try to take things into our own hands God is still faithful and not only that you've heard me talk much of God's sovereignty and and his his authority over all things God has actually interwoven our shortcomings our failings our lack of faith all of that is interwoven into his ultimate plan for our lives and his plan to accomplish all that he intends to accomplish. And we're going to get a brief glimpse of that this morning by looking at this first event in Abram and Sarah's lives where we actually have it recorded for us that there was a lack of faith. There was a misstep in Abraham's life here. And and, and keep in mind, it was just a few verses earlier. Abraham has just been called. And he's getting up and he's going. And now they're coming to Egypt. I'm going to read Genesis 12 um, verses 10 through the rest of the chapter. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But they will let you live. Say that you are my sister and it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. 
When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was indeed very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he, Abram, received or had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So, in this event, I wrote down, there's at least, there might be more, but for sake of this morning, there's at least three ways or, or, or three uh, portions of this where Abram lacked faith or attempted to just take things into his own hands, which ultimately is a lack of faith. Abraham doubted God in at least three ways. Number one, he didn't think God could keep him alive or safe in Egypt, which ultimately is a complete lack of faith in God's promise to Abram. Remember, from the beginning of Genesis 12, this is the very call to Abraham or to Abram go from your country. And your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Later in verse 7. The Lord told Abram to your offspring I will give this land. So there's a promise of land, a promise of a great nation, and a promise that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. Has any of that happened yet? No. And yet here Abram is saying, if we go there and they know you're my wife, they're going to they're gonna kill me, they're going to keep you alive, they're going to take you. So for my sake, tell them that you're my sister. So... On the one hand, you say, oh, well, well, Abram was just scared that he was going to be killed. He was scared for his own life. But ultimately, that's a lack of faith in God to keep his promises and to carry out his promise. If God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. If God said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring, and they don't have offspring yet. And none of that has happened. Then Abram could have said, well, God said this was going to happen. None of it has happened yet. We're coming to Egypt. I don't have anything to worry about. God's going to keep his word. God is capable of keeping us safe. God is capable of keeping me alive because God is going to keep his promises. So I have nothing to fear. However, we definitely see some fear here. He lacked faith that God had a plan in place already. When he, they come to Egypt, it's, it's almost as if Abram might think to himself, well, we've got to concoct a plan. We've got to come up with a way to, to keep me alive and, and, and to keep this whole operation going. So, so here's what we're going to do. You, my wife, you, tell them you're my sister. That way they'll deal well with me. They'll keep you alive and it's all good. 
We've got to come up with a plan. Now, this is not going to be the only time in the life of Abraham and Sarah where they come up with their own plan. But you see here that when we feel like we've got to come up with our own plans or make our own situation and and we've got to come up with a way through a particular difficulty in life, it actually shows a lack of faith that, that God already has plans in place and God already has everything accounted for and He is still accomplishing His will and His plan. See, it was no accident that Abraham and Sarah were heading to Egypt at this time. It was really no accident if you wanted to take into consideration that in verse 10, there was a famine in the land. Ultimately, if God is God, we know that, that, that it's not by accident that there was a famine in the land. If there was something that happened in our area today, if there was a famine in our area today, we would say, well, ultimately, God has a purpose. God has a reason why there's a famine in our area today because we rest uh, in the confidence of knowing that God is over all things. Nothing is outside of his control. God has a plan for all of creation and he is bringing that plan to fruition and he will accomplish all that he intends to accomplish. And then thirdly, Abraham lacked faith in the power of God over mankind. See, he told Abram or he told Sarah when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. So they're going to kill me so that they can have you if they think I'm your husband. And even if that were the case, even if that were the case, again, this ties right back into the first thing we considered. Abram didn't have faith that, that God could accomplish his plan and, and make good on his promises. If Abram dies here in Egypt, can there be a great nation made out of him? Is there going to be any offspring to give a land to? No. But even if the Pharaoh wanted to kill Abram here. Abram serves the one true God of all creation. And God has the authority that whatever the intents of man's heart actually is. God has the authority to either change the man's heart or to hinder what that man's plans are from happening. God can stop them from happening. God has full authority and full control over the creatures of the earth that he has created. And Abram here shows that, at least to some extent, he doesn't really believe that. They're going to kill me. Even though I know God gave us these promises, the Lord gave us these promises, and I'm probably going to have to be alive for those things to come to pass. If we come in here to Egypt. They're going to kill me. So they can have you. And so that leads to him. Making a plan. Concocting a plan. And all of that is rooted in the fact that. Ultimately. This is a lack of faith. That God can allow them to go through the land of Egypt. To be there. To sojourn in Egypt. To keep them alive. And to continue to make good on his promises. So. We could further evaluate this text and maybe come up with some more connections into how this shows a lack of faith. But for sake of the sermon this morning, those three things. It seems to be that Abram lacked faith that God could keep him alive and to continue to fulfill the promise. That God can continue to, um, to bring those promises to fruition and continue to do as he pleased with Abram and Sarah. That... 
It seems he lacked faith that God already had a plan in place that he was working. And ultimately he lacked faith in the power of God over man or the authority of God over man. Now, what happens from verse... Actually, really, we'll start in verse 16. Here's what happened. Abraham clearly is lacking faith. He's doubting. He's coming up with his own plans. And look what happened. Verse 16. For her sake, for Sarah's sake, Pharaoh dealt well with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So there's there's provisions that are given to Abram. And keep that in mind. But here's what happened. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So first and foremost, God brings it to be known that Sarah is indeed Abram's wife. And he does that by making his power known by bringing plagues upon Pharaoh and his house. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So those provisions that were given, they carried them out. That, that's interesting. Abram here, is, he seems to lack faith. He tries to take things into his own hands. And even all of that ultimately, ultimately was a part of God's plan for Abram and Sarah. In this event where Abram lacked faith and him and Sarah came up with their own plan, they tried to hatch their own plan. They leave and, and they leave with reason to for their faith to be made stronger. They leave with reasons to believe and to rest in God's promises even more so. They ought to be leaving at this point thinking, whew, didn't, didn't we look foolish? Especially Abram. Well, didn't I look foolish? I thought that I had that, that we had to tell them you were my sister and that was the only way we were going to be alive and that we had to we had to come up with this plan and they were going to take you in and hey at least that I, at least I was still alive at least they didn't try to kill me and I, we, we thought we had to do all these things but but wow look God God actually made it known that you were my wife and not my sister they didn't try to kill me they they kept me alive they just they said hey take your wife and go and look We've got provisions from them that, that we're, we're walking out of here with. So they had reason to, to think, wow, God, you're, you're pretty amazing. We tried to take things into our own hands. Here we are alive and well. They know that, they know that she's my wife and, and, and we actually have provisions. We would think to some extent in our natural way of thinking that, oh, well, when we lack faith, God punishes us. When we take a misstep, God punishes us. But here in this in this lack of faith, in this misstep in Abram and Sarah, God simply did what? God proved himself faithful. God did something. He performed something that should have given Abram and Sarah a greater confidence in God. God did something that ought to have strengthened their faith. Ought to have brought a greater security to their 
faith, a greater confidence to their faith. And so I want us to look at this, and, and that's what I want to happen for us. I want our faith to be strengthened today. I want our faith to grow today because we saw the ways in which Abram kind of doubted and was confused and lacking faith. But, but here's what happened. God displayed His power to continue carrying out His plan and overriding Abraham's plan, which consequently proves that God is able to keep His called ones alive even in the presence of danger or in the presence of the unknown because God is faithful and sovereign and He will accomplish all that He intends even if we lack faith and are a little boneheaded or hardheaded or stubborn or knuckleheads or whatever thing you want to put. Even when we do silly stuff and even when we lack faith and even when we fall short, even when we sin, ultimately, God is still going to carry out His ultimate plan. That doesn't, need, that doesn't mean we don't need to repent over our lack of faith. It doesn't mean we don't need to repent any, over any present sin in our life. But it does mean that ultimately, God's sovereign plan of all, for all creation, God's sovereign plan over our own individual lives, it includes our shortcomings. And our shortcomings in no way nullify or override God's plan. God never gets to the point where he says, well, I was going to do this. I was going to try to do this. But you were so stubborn. You were so hard headed that I had to change my plans. God's not going to change his plans. Furthermore, many times in our lives, when we fall short or when we lack faith, and then God shows himself once more to be faithful and that he is a faithful God and he is a steadfast God. We come out on the other side of those moments where we lack faith. We come out on the other side of those errors and we realize, I really have no reason to ever doubt God. My faith is actually stronger now than when it was. And that's the whole point. Where we lack faith, where we are weak, God is strong. Where we sometimes are unfaithful or we lack faith, God always remains faithful. So consider those things. Because I'm sure all of us, if we were honest, all of us have had multiple times in our lives where we doubted God, where we lacked faith, or where we tried to take things into our own hands and we tried to come up with a plan of attack and we tried to come up with what we needed to do. But all of us would also say, probably with a lot of confidence, at no point in my life did God stop being faithful. At no point in my life has God ever stopped working to sanctify me, to challenge me, to strengthen my faith, to cause me to grow. To cause me to mature. At no point in my life has God ever stopped working on me in my life. And with Paul uh, from Philippians, we can say, hey, we've got confidence. He started a good work in me and he will complete it. He will continue to work it until it's done. Until that final day. 
He started a good work. He will finish that good work. In Abram's life, He called Abram. He gave Abram specific promises. Told him specific things that would happen. And God's not going to just let some Pharaoh kill Abram. So that God can't accomplish all that He intended to accomplish. God isn't going to let Abram and Sarah be separated and stay separated because God promised that they would have offspring. Sarah is included in those promises. So it can't happen that Abram and Sarah get separated and then Abram just goes off and has children with somebody else. And that No, it's Abram and Sarah together. And so with Abram, we really have a good picture of us. Now, if we were going into a situation that on the surface we had a good reason to be concerned, we had a good reason to be a little bit fearful. I'm not I'm not going through this trying to pick on Abram at all. It's natural given the the cultural circumstances of the day. He knew what typically would happen. They're going to see that my wife is beautiful. They're going to find out she's my wife. They're going to kill me so they can have her. I'm worried about that now. I need to come up with a plan. It's a natural. Right? By the way, just to prove that, keep in mind what happened when King David saw Bathsheba and how that played out. He had Bathsheba. What did he have done to her husband? Sent him on a suicide mission to put it in a nutshell. Okay? So, the Abram says... They're going to see how beautiful you are. They're going to know that I'm your husband. They're going to kill me so that they can have you. We can't let that happen. We've got to come up with a plan. Now to say, for someone to say, you know what? Ultimately, Abram should have just had the confidence that it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter who the enemy is. We can go anywhere that we desire to go. We can, we can go any place that God leads us to with the utmost confidence that nothing is going to happen to us except that which God has ordained will happen to us. Even us today, we would think, oh no, you can't just, you can't just go places like that. You have to make plans. I mean, Abram was actually smart to try to make a plan to keep himself alive. I mean, that's what I would have done. I would have said, well, hey, we've got to keep both of ourselves alive. We've got, to, we've got to cut. That's just natural. That was actually pretty smart. He was just trying to come up with a plan. But ultimately, it's a lack of faith. Anytime that we come up with our own plans, that we think we've got to take it into our own hands, it's a lack of faith in God. Even in our world today, when somebody says, hey, nothing can happen in your life, nothing can happen in my life except that which God has ordained, and the, the, the day of our death, the way of our death is already set in stone and nothing, we're not going to die a day too soon. We're not going to die a day too late. God is going to finish his work in us and with us here on this earth. And then he's going to call us home. So wherever we go, whatever we do, we can do it with confidence and we don't need to fear anything. We can go into places. We can go to new places. We can explore new things with the confidence that God's not going to allow anything to happen to us except that which He has ordained. 
and he's not going to allow anything to happen to us that's going to hinder his ultimate plan for us and all of his people. Now, it's one thing to say that. When you say that and when I preach that, I know that there's at least going to be a couple of heads nodding and a couple of people that may say, Amen. But when it comes to actually living our lives that way, I don't know that I've, that I've ever met anybody in the flesh, myself included, that genuinely lives that life of faith that says, hey, I'm good. Nothing can happen to me except that which God has ordained. So I don't need to fear. I don't need to try to make my own plans. I don't need to try to, try to protect myself. I don't need to make plans of self-preservation. I don't need to make plans that pertain to me taking care of myself and protecting me. I need to just go and to do and to glorify God and to serve God and not and not be concerned that any evil or any bad thing is going to befall me because God's on the throne and he has called me his own and he's accomplishing his purposes in my life. I don't need to fear. So it's real easy for us not being Abram to say, well, why was Abram worried? Why was he concerned? I mean, didn't he know that God had promised him a land? Why didn't he just go to Egypt and not worry about anything? On the one hand, it's kind of easy to think that way. But once we put ourselves in those shoes, that's when we start to think, well, there's a good chance I might have done the same thing. But the bottom line is none of us have any reason to ever be fearful of man. There is no man or woman on the face of this, this earth that can harm us or damage us or do anything to us in any way, shape, or form unless God has ordained for that to happen. To prove that, let me ask this question. What happened when Pharaoh found out that Sarah was in fact Abram's wife? Did he try to kill Abram? No. He said, take your wife, go. Why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. You say, right, Caleb, but that came after some plagues that entered Pharaoh and his household. So, of course, Pharaoh was probably kind of scared at that point thinking, what in the world is going on? And to that I would say, but that's the whole point. We serve the same God that sent the plagues to Pharaoh to expose the truth and to bring it about. And then the, the end result of that isn't that Pharaoh said, okay, well now we've got to kill Abram. Now we've got to kill this guy so that I can have his wife and it'll all be said. No, the end result was take your wife and go. And there was extra provisions there that they had received from Pharaoh. So in, in one fell swoop, God showed that he had authority over Pharaoh and his household. God showed that he had the authority and the power to overcome Abram and Sarah's lack of faith and concoct in their own plan. So basically, he has the power uh, to, to overcome their own foolishness and their own silliness, right? And he showed that he had the authority and the power to actually include that as part of his plan because they left with provision so they left you could say they left 
better off than they showed up. And they left, again, with reason to have a greater faith in God and to rest in God even more so. Again, I I think Abram probably would have left knowing full well, man, I thought that I had to come up with that plan. I thought that I had to get Sarah to say that um, she was my sister. And you know what? I I didn't really need to be worried about any of that because clearly, God, you were reigning over this entire situation and we... I didn't have to worry about all of that. I should have just trusted you to provide for us and take care of us this whole time. Look how foolish I was when I tried to take matters into my own hands. And I think many of us, if we were to look back on our lives, if again, if we were being honest, we would have to say, you know what? That's kind of how it is every single time we try to take it into our own hands. Every single time we try to handle matters in our own way, we probably end up looking back on those things thinking, that was dumb. That was foolish. I made a mistake there. There was, a nev- there was never a reason for me to think that I had to do it my own way or come up with my own plan. What I really should have done the whole time is just trusted God. That he's working his perfect plan. And I don't have to worry about anything else. I should have just trusted God. And rested in him. And lived my life. And just been focused on glorifying him. I should have never been foolish enough to think. That I had to meddle. In God's plans. And try to put it into my own hands. And come up with my own plans. Many of us. I think if we were honest. We would say yep. Every instant that I can think about. Where I did try to do it my own way or come up with my own plans. Yeah, I kind of ended up eating crow. Or I ended up face planting pretty bad in life. I should have just trusted God the whole time. And if Abram was with us today, I'm sure he'd be, he'd be saying, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with y'all. Y'all read what just happened to me. <laughs> there I was telling my wife, say you're my sister. Because they're going to kill me and I don't want to die and I'm scared right now and... But yet, where was God in all of this? He was reigning, sovereign, in full control of the entire situation. God has full control over Pharaoh. Pharaoh in this narrative, you could say Pharaoh was the enemy. Pharaoh was the one that Abram ultimately was fearful of. God has the authority over Pharaoh and his household. God has the authority over any of our enemies in this life. And ultimately, think about this. Ultimately, God has the full authority and power over Satan himself, which is for the believer, our greatest enemy and our greatest foe. If God has full reign and authority over all of our enemies, including our chief enemy, what are we scared of? What, why do we fear? But more specific to this story, I do think there was some fear involved. Obviously, Abram didn't want to die. Why do we fear? Why do we lack faith? If God, who is sovereign, who reigns supreme over all things, if God has has called us to Himself, and we have other promises from Scripture, as I've already mentioned one, He that has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will complete it. 
He will sustain us to the end. But if we know that that our days are numbered and He's the one that numbered them, if we know that He has us here for a purpose and He promises He promises that that even when it is all said and done, that we will be with Him in glory. Why do we lack faith? We have no reason to doubt God. We have no reason to lack faith in God. We have no reason to fear man or to fear the things of this world. Oh, well, look how bad it's getting out there. Oh, yeah, it's getting bad. Should we be scared of it? No. Oh, but what if it gets to the point where they start persecuting us as Christians? Then we deal with it. And how do we deal with it? By glorifying God and serving Him. And sharing the gospel with those who are persecuting us. But what if it gets to the point where if we keep living for the Lord, they're going to start putting us in prison or even worse, putting us to death. Look across the globe. That has never really stopped happening to Christians. It hasn't happened in America. That doesn't mean that it has ever stopped happening across the globe. Christians are tossed in prison cells, persecuted, killed all across the globe. Yeah, but what if it starts happening here? Then we continue to serve God. We continue to glorify God. And if they kill us, to die is gain. To live as Christ, to die is gain. Why do we fear? Why do we lack faith? Abram doubted in at least three ways. He didn't think God could keep him alive or safe in Egypt, which ultimately shows that he doubted the promises of God. He lacked faith that God had a plan in place already, so he tried to come up with his own. And he lacked faith in God over the power, the power of God over the power of man. So he doubted that even if Pharaoh wanted to kill him, Abram could have thought Abram or Abram should have thought Pharaoh can't do anything to me unless God actually allows him to do something to me because God has the full authority over Pharaoh. And we see that God displayed his power, he brought the plagues, he displayed his power, continued carrying out his plan, overriding Abraham's plan, which consequently proves that God is able to keep his called ones Keep his children alive even in the presence of danger or in the presence of the unknown because God is faithful and he will accomplish all that he intends to accomplish even when we lack faith or are a little stubborn or hard-headed. Romans chapter 8. I promise y'all that we would start and end in Romans 8. This is the... This is the scripture passage that I would go to to prove or to teach or to promote the idea that for the believer, we genuinely have nothing to fear. We genuinely have no reason to lack faith because we have these promises. Now, earlier, I just read through verse 30. I am going to read more than that now. And we're closing. When when, when you think about Abram's life and what we just discussed, and the thought of, well, Abram lacked faith, but God still, he showed his power and he still kept fulfilling his promises. He, keep, he kept carrying out his plan. If Abram didn't really have a reason to fear or to lack faith, 
and we don't really have a reason to fear or lack faith, where does our confidence come from? What is a truth about God? What is a truth about our salvation that can give us that confidence that we can rest our hope in? I would, for the rest of my days and your days, I would always point you to Romans 8, starting in 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now that's a direct, I would, I would make a direct connection there with Abram. God called Abram. God said, get up and go to a land that I'm going to show you. There's a call there. Those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In order that He, Jesus Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. This at times has been called the golden chain of redemption. Called, justified, glorified. Now it's really that whole section there. Those whom He, uh, those who he foreknew, He predestined. Those that He predestined, He called. And then He justified and glorified. But here's the thing. None of us... None of us here today are in heaven already. Just in case you were confused or just in case you thought this was a dream. None of us have been fully glorified yet. But Paul here in speaking of this is speaking as if it, it's, it, it's, it's already come to its fullness. It's a done deal. Those whom he called, he justified. We're justified before a holy God. We're saved we're declared not guilty. We're declared righteous. We're justified because of Jesus Christ. Those whom He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. We will be with Him in glory one day. But then we get to this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And there you go. I could close, close it right there and just say, think about that. Abr if Abram would have just, if, if God is for me, and he's given me these promises. Who can be against me? It doesn't matter what Pharaoh thinks he can do. It doesn't. God, God's going to accomplish all that he intends to accomplish. And I don't need to. But in our lives, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with us also? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is there to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. We as the believers today, we know that not only has Christ saved us, but He is now interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is certainly never going to bring a charge against us because He died for us. He's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And here we go. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sore. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, that's the resounding answer. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? No. And that's what we ought to be focused on. It doesn't matter what happens in this life physically, or if, if we're or if we're physically ill, or if people are persecuting us, or if there's a famine, or if there's no clothes on our back. Like it doesn't matter what happens in the material earthly realm. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
We don't have need to fear anything. And if God's love has been set upon us, then even if we are utterly rejected by the world, even if we have nothing in this world to our name, do we have anything to fear or anything or any reason to doubt God and to not have faith in God? No, because can any of those things separate us from the love of Christ? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And for those reasons, the fact that if you are saved today, if you have been called by God, justified by God, we will be fully glorified and with Him in heaven one day. And in the meantime, can anything that happens on this earth, can that separate us from God's steadfast love which has been set upon us? No. And therefore we rejoice in all things. Therefore we have no need to fear anything We have no need to doubt God or lack faith in Him, but we rejoice knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we rest in His sovereignty over all things. We rejoice in God who has saved us. What we talked about today is not an excuse to just do whatever you want to do because, hey, God's over everything and even when I mess up, it's all a part of His plan. That's not an excuse to just do whatever you want to do. It's a reason to... Rest, it's a reason not to fear and worry as we make wise biblical decisions in life. But we rejoice knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray.